Welcome to Love Rules, the radio ministry of Roxbury Presbyterian Church in Boston. My mom, Liz Walker, was Boston's first African-American television news anchor, but her most important job is what she does right now at RPC, preaching the good news about God's love. The Bible says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. How does that work? Join my mom now as she offers us Love Rules from Roxbury Presbyterian Church. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Love Rules. Our message this morning is called Fighting Words. We're going to take a few texts out of John 17th. The first verse is, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that your Son may glorify you. Then we'll go to verse 6. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Verse 14, I've given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. 15, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. I'm from the South, and every kid down South when I was growing up was familiar with the phrase fighting words. Someone had been insulted or demeaned, usually in a racial context back in the day, and it was time to fight back with your own words. Oh, there were physical fights, but not before. There were plenty of words. There were certain expressions you had ready in your own personal arsenal, curse words or other specific and colorful put-downs. Or you could just make a derogatory reference to the parents of your enemy that could either start a physical fight or end one. Either way, that's how you made it through adolescence. Today's text shows us the need for gathering up our own fighting words in our spiritual arsenal. We're in a battle too, as you know, and Jesus confirms one of the most effective ways to take on our enemy is by enlisting the word of God. The 17th chapter of John is called the high priestly or the farewell prayer that Jesus prays after the Last Supper. Jesus prayed often. The Bible teaches us that Jesus prayed more than he did anything else. Jesus, who laid aside his glory and took on the mantle of flesh, magnified his relationship with his father, his complete dependence on his father, through prayer. Now think of magnifying not as a microscope that makes objects look bigger, but as a telescope that allows you the long view to see something as it really is. So Jesus starts out, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. Now, chapter 17 is the longest prayer of Jesus anywhere in the gospel. Most times he went away from the disciples to be by himself with God, but this prayer is offered aloud as a way for the disciples and for us to hear about Jesus' concerns. And there's one part of this prayer that I want to focus on this morning for just a few minutes. What distinguishes our best relationship with each other from this relationship with God? Giving God our best is found in verse 14. Jesus' concern about our holiness. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they're not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. I have given them your word. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. This term sanctification is rooted in Latin theology. Sanctus, which means holy, and facare means to make. 
one of those technical religious words. There are many preachers who spend a lot of time on it, to be separate, to be holy, but knowing this definition means nothing. We read God's Word, and I hope you memorize God's Word, but that's not enough. You can't begin to understand the holiness of sanctification until you live it out. Theologian John Piper calls it a very irrelevant word, but a crucial reality. It means nothing until it becomes real for you. You've been stealing money from your job. One day, the Word of God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, pricks your conscience, and you stop stealing. That's sanctification. You've been cheating on your husband. It's always kind of bothered you. You pray about it, and one morning, something changes on the inside, and you stop. That's sanctification. You have a habit of talking mean to your mother-in-law. One day you read scriptures, let your gentleness be evident to all, the Lord is near, and you are convicted to change your ways. That's sanctification. And it happens because of your growing relationship with the Lord, through the power of the Holy Spirit, by the Word of God. It's not about separating yourself physically from the world, or hiding in the church, It is being in the world, but not of the world. You see, our problem is we skim the word. We read the Bible like we read the newspaper. We just pick up a word here and a word there. We say it has power, but we really don't allow its power in our lives. Christians have a big problem with hypocrisy to say one thing and mean something else. We act holy when holiness is is the furthest thing from our mind. Until the word becomes flesh in us, it's just a word. So let's go back to the text. And Jesus takes this to another level. Verse 15, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but keep them from the evil one. Deliver us from temptation. The reason we all fall so easily (laughs) is temptation, the devil. Now, nobody likes to talk about the devil, but Jesus said, hear me now, there is an evil one. Jesus said, I've spent time with him in the desert. I've seen him in the actions of people and sin and sickness and mental disturbance. He is active in principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and systems. He thrives in anxieties and fears and pride. He prowls around like a roaring lion in those spaces looking for someone to devour. And the devil's favorite word is no. No, I can't change. I won't change. It won't work. Nothing will get better. Where is the devil? He is in that great big old fat no that is holding you back right now. But remember, the devil is a liar. In order to keep the devil out of your business, you need to be armed with everything God gives you. The most effective weapon, the crucial weapon for most cases, is God's word. That is the sword of the spirit. The sword of the spirit is an aggressive weapon. Now, if you talk about all the armor that God gives us to fight evil, to fight sin, most of it is defensive. The breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, those will protect you. But the word of God is the sword of the spirit. That's an aggressive weapon, a proactive weapon, a weapon of attack. You see, you rarely use a sword to defend yourself. That sword is used to thrust, to pierce, to destroy. That's a fighting word. Those are fighting words. Because the word is imbued with the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ, everything you need is there. It's all in there. Verse 17, 
Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. We need to work on living lives of truth. I believe that Jesus would rather talk with an honest sinner than a hypocritical saint. Our job is to allow the word to become flesh in our lives, to keep the word of God active and alive. Before you study the word, ask God to give you a new revelation, give you fresh inspiration. This is part of the discipline of the word. First, you ask God to open your heart to receive it. Then you read it. That's how you stay in the proper condition, the proper discipline to let the word of Jesus manifest in you. Now, armed with the word, your circumstances, whatever they are, become the means that God uses to exhibit just how good God is. (laughs) That is the power of the word. The word of God is the poetry of possibility. It never commands us to do something that God is unable to equip us to do. The world ignores God's word to its own peril. But if those of us who profess to be people of the word languish in our own refusal to obey God, then we're telling God that there is something that God did not think of. No matter what your circumstances are right now, no matter what you think you've lost or are too small or inadequate to fight, No matter what frightens you or makes you anxious, don't you dare give up. Don't you dare sit there and think this battle is over. Don't you dare think you have nothing to fight for or to fight with. Our priority must be to realize that God offers us a life of excellence that he fully equips us to live. I know you have some good ideas about God, but I really want you to Think this out. I really want you to know how big, how great, how awesome God is. The truth of the matter is, God knows you better than you know yourself. God knows exactly what you can do and what you'll be able to do through his power. What you need to do is to keep going back to that word until it becomes real for you until it becomes real in you, because that word is the truth. We don't have to be of the world. We just have to be of the truth. Have a good day, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. Roxbury Presbyterian Church is located at 328 Warren Street, right in the heart of Roxbury. Come worship with us on Sundays at 11 a.m., This is a listener-supported program. We invite you to partner with us and learn the many ways that love rules. Visit us on our website, RoxburyPresbyterianChurch.org, or call us at 617-445-2116. And we are thrilled to extend this special invitation to join us for our fall revival when we proclaim These Bones Shall Live. October 21st, 22nd, and 23rd, starting at 7 p.m. at Roxbury Presbyterian Church.